following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your hosts, Rob and Ryan. Please welcome to the Talking Buds Podcast. Yes, it is. Episode 3, in fact, of the Talking Buds Podcast. I'm Rob. He is Ryan. What is going on? And we are back. Week three of the Maple Leafs schedule is underway. We just watched the Maple Leafs defeat the Los Angeles Kings 4-1 at Scotiabank Arena. Kind of a weird game. Not the most exciting game to watch. But the Leafs did what they do. They outscored the opponent. And that's really all there is to say, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, it was was a really kind of... Even though they scored four goals, it seemed like nothing really exciting happened in the game. They got out to an early start, which is something they haven't done all year, regardless of their record. Usually, I think uh, five out of the six games they've been scored on first. But, you know, I thought you know, they, they scored four goals, but they didn't exactly play their best game. They didn't really give up a lot of dangerous scoring chances. I don't know if that was their D or just... The Kings just don't have a, a super amount of skill. Yeah, and the LA Kings are not the most offensively sound team I've ever seen. No, not not the team they the not the cup winning teams we we were used to seeing, but yeah, their power play hasn't scored all year. Like they just they didn't have a lot of dangerous chances and it's a big win for Garrett Sparks. He still made he made some easy shots, like a little more difficult than they actually were. But you know what? That's a, that's a huge game for Garrett Sparks, and they're six and one to start the season. And in the first podcast of the year, we talked about the good start, and that's exactly what they've done. Well, that was a huge storyline going into the game, is finding out that Frederick Anderson is day to day with some sort of knee injury. All the reports I read made it seem like it's not serious, and they kind of sat him just as a precaution. But still, this is this is Garrett Sparks' time to go in there and prove himself. Especially he had they got the win when he started in Chicago, but he did look a little shaky. I I, I don't yeah I'm with you. I thought he I thought he played okay. He did. He he fought a little. He looks nervous to me. Like he like when he's standing in there, he looks uncomfortable and nervous. He did make a couple really nice saves tonight. He made the one like flashy glove save, but I just he doesn't look comfortable when he's in the net. Yeah, I can tell he's a little jittery. Uh, it's to me, it's to be expected of a guy who, who's new. He's not really new to the NHL. He played a couple of games a couple of years ago, but he's fighting for a job. Uh, I think the pressure's on him. People seem to love McElhaney, which I don't get. I'm on the train of uh, who cares, but um, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, well, Curtis McElhaney. Look what he's doing in Carolina. Yeah, give it twenty Ryan, more games. Ryan, and see Ryan, what happens. Ryan, he has a family. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh good family man, but. You know, I, I was cheering. I'm on Garrett Sparks' bandwagon, man. I just want to see this guy do well. I want people to get off his back. Um, this is going to be interesting with this whole injury situation because what we've seen the past couple years with Lou Lamorello is when someone goes down with an injury, it's it's the code of silence. You know absolutely nothing about what is going on. So he's day-to-day, but as Mike Babcock has said before, day-to-day is usually a week or 10 days Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully he's back in there Thursday. But I, I like seeing Garrett Sparks get out there. This is the guy they go. They've they decided to go with. He's the younger guy. So get him out there. See what he can do. I think they took a look at some of the upcoming opponents: Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and then home and home with the Winnipeg Jets. 
and are just like, you know what? If he's not at 100%, let's sit him tonight. Let's put Sparks in there. And he did. He did a good job. He held his own. He deserves credit. Um, all right, Ryan, before we get into um, our weekly segments, Bums and Beauties, we took a lot of heat for our bum selections. We both took a lot of heat for our bum selections last week. Yeah, I went on Levo, and of course he scored the other night, and people were texting me and saying, oh, look what little Levo, Levo, guess he's not a bum after all, but I didn't hear, I didn't see him once on the ice all night tonight, so one goal, congratulations, seemed like a good guy, but I didn't see him on the ice once tonight, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I went in on Ron Hainsey, and then he goes out and scores in Washington, which was my favorite game of the season so far. That game had a playoff atmosphere. They played well on both ends of the rink. They got depth scoring. That's one thing I want to get into is they're they're getting contributions from guys not named Matthews and Tavares. Yeah, and I I think that was going to come anyways. Like aren't you happy your your goal scorers are scoring early in the season? Like why do we have to find some some narrative that the bottom six can't score. It's just like they haven't gotten a chance because the big boys are setting records all over the league. Like Morgan Riley passed Bobby Orr for the best five game start. Like what, what are the bottom That's pretty six? Unbel- I just about fell over when I saw that stat. I was like, what? Yeah. And, he, and he's in the room. He's like, ah, I don't care. It's a team game. You know, <laughs> we had fun. We had fun out there. It was interesting, but you know, secretly, you know, he went back to his room that night and went back to his condo and was like, this is pretty crazy that I just passed Bobby Orr in some sort of record because the NHL is one of the leagues of the big four that not a lot of records are being broken because of what was set because the, the way the game is now compared to what it was 20, 30 years ago. So I was happy for him. Matthews, obviously, with the start, but I think their bottom six, I think their bottom six skates hard, man. It was only a matter of time before they someone found the back of the net. Par Lindholm found the back of the net the other night. Ooh, Parry Lindholm. He's my guy, man. I'm a Par Lindholm guy. And he can skate. He can skate. He's a, he doesn't have much in the way of hands, but he can skate. I just think he makes good decisions. I haven't seen him make a play this season where I've been like, oh my, Par Lindholm, what are you doing? Oh, I, I, Usually he makes the right play, chips the puck out the right way, makes the right pass, doesn't try anything that he can't do like I, I've been a fan of him so far and that's a reason why Babcock moved him up from the fourth line and put him on the wing because obviously Babcock likes what he's seeing from him and I like what I'm seeing from him too speaking of who we like what we're seeing from Casperi Kapanen is is putting the pressure on William Nylander because this guy is on fire since getting up since being promoted to the first line with Austin Matthews. He, two beautiful goals tonight again. Oh, yeah. Well, he's just, he's he's skating his, skating his rear end off, and the guy just has touch. He has finish. That's, I know Babcock wants to be more like Hyman. He he skates like Hyman. He, not, he might not be as physical, but Zach Hyman uh, can't, can't put the puck in the net like Casper Kappen in second goal tonight. In fact, tonight... Even though Hyman played a great game, and Hyman's been great the past couple of games, the guy just skates harder than anyone I've ever seen in my life. But Johnny T set him up for like the most perfect pass in the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and Zach Hyman's just so unaware that the puck just goes right by him. 
he's it's so just like, oh my god, there's a pass here. Oh my goodness. But Hyman's is Hyman's such a beauty though that he like that goal, that Marner goal, like that's that's all him. Like he goes out like no wonder Babcock loves him. He goes out there and get, he plays like that every shift. Yeah, you can you can say what you want about Zach Hyman and yeah, he doesn't have a lot of great hands, but I, I like him better on that Marner line. He's been better on that line this year. I think he's hidden a little bit better because Marner's just such a, a demanding guy with the puck, and so is Tavares. Like Tavares is in the offensive zone. Once he gets control of that puck, man, he could he could make a pass. Man, he could find the open man, and he. They, I think he's just so much better on that line. I think that's a really good point that he's hidden better on that line. Anyway, we got we got sidetracked there and started talking about Zach Hyman. Kasperi Kapanen. If you're William Nylander, like, how are you, how is this not, like, like, what, what is going through William Nylander's mind right now watching the promotion of Kasperi Kapanen and he's flourishing in that role and showing that he does have some skill. And I just, I, I would love to know what's going through William and apparently his number one influencer, Michael, his father's head watching this. Well, I think William Nylander is going through a couple different thought processes i'm sure when he's if he does sit down and watch the games which i'm sure he's keeping tabs on as soon as he sees casper captain starting to play as well as he has on that line he's probably has that impulse to be like oh what am i doing i gotta get back but at the same time you're watching this team and and do they really need this is the question i'm asking myself do they really need another guy like William Nylander, they already their whole team is full of skilled guys. Like I'll go ahead and answer that question. No, they don't. And to me, the excuse of well, Kadri needs someone on his wing. It's like all right, let's pay someone uh, seven million a year to play on the third line. Well, no, the thought process is Nylander would go in with Matthews and Kapanen would go down with Kadri. But you don't. I said this last week. The reason why Kapanen is such a good fit is because he's got an edge to his game that William Nylander doesn't have. I'm no. Before everyone freaks out at me, no, I'm not saying that Kasperi Kapanen is a better overall hockey player than William Nylander. What I am saying is I sat through a playoff series last spring where William Nylander did not go in the corner once, was pushed off the puck constantly, and plays with absolutely no edge. That's not a knock on him. For the most part, skilled players don't necessarily play with that much of an edge. But when you have a guy like Kasperi Kapanen, who plays with an edge, who goes in the corner, who bumps guys off the puck, who gets it back to the skilled guys like Austin Matthews, it's... It's a better, it just right now, I know we're only seven games in, but like it just seems like a better fit right now. And to your earlier point, they don't need another skilled guy. I just feel like putting Nylander back on that line beside Matthews will take, it'll take some of the edge that that line currently has away. Like, am I crazy? Am I crazy having that opinion? No, I don't think you're crazy. And I think people are just loyal to William Nylander because... He was kind of the first guy to be drafted out of all of them. And he's had two really good years on that line, even though he moved up and down depending on how Babcock felt about him that week. But Kasperi Kapanen is just skates way harder on a shift to shift basis. Yes. yes he's not as yes. good. As, yeah. He's just, he's, he's a harder four checker. He, he's not the playmaker William Nylander is. But I'd say. I think Casper Kaplan could score as many goals in a season as William Nylander. In terms of the finish... If he's playing it, with Matthews, yes. It, it might not be the, the short side beauty wrist shots, but 
the guy can put the puck in the net and he just skates harder. He, he's not as good of a passer, but you know what? That We already have a, a ton of passers, a ton of scorers. Why would we waste our salary cap with a bunch of contracts coming up on a player where we already have five William Nylanders on the team, basically, in terms of skill level? Like, why not allocate that to something more useful and something that's going to help your team a lot more? And But the whole trade situation is just so confusing. Like, it's just so confusing. Well, the, as the season goes on, I think it's becoming more and more apparent that they don't need, necessarily need another Nylander. But the problem is, and it's, it's what we, we talked touched on this last week, you have to sign him first. Because A, if you sign him for term, you'll be able to get more back in return. Agreed. But where it even gets more confusing is William Nylander sitting at home not only wanting more money, but I honestly believe he wants to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So it's like, okay, I'll sign a deal for whatever term, whatever dollar, but I'm going to sign this deal and immediately you're just going to flip me for something else? Like, I'm sure he doesn't. he's not sitting at home being like, oh, I want to play for another team. I 100% believe he wants to play for this hockey team and play for this hockey team for a long time. But it's it's... Why would I sign this deal if you guys are just going to flip me immediately? Like, that's where this whole thing is just so confusing. Oh, we got it's, it's true. just like, it's such a mess. It's, it's crazy. It's true. And then they're talking on the broadcast tonight about how d- discussions with Jake Gardner are underway and he's going to be a $7 million defenseman. Like, I don't, that's a joke. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you're going to make that all fit. That's an absolute joke, in my opinion. Jake Gardner, I'm so sick and tired of listening to people analyze the Toronto Maple Leafs and say, oh, well, Gardner's got to be better. If Gardner does this, if Gardner does that, it's like this guy is not getting any better. He's Jake Gardner. He's been the same player the whole time he's been in the NHL as a Toronto Maple Leaf. This is what you see is what you get. You're not getting any more. You're not getting any less. He's going to make the odd good play. And most of the time he's going to make the stupid play because he's sleepy, sleepy out there. And I'm just, let's stop expecting more out of him. Like this is what he is. He's not, he's not getting any better. Well, they're saying he's going to, he's going to ask for 7 million, which is just like, they, they, they're going to have to let him walk. They can't afford that. Not the 0% chance. There's 0% chance they can afford Jake Gardner. And honestly, why would you want to pay him $7 million? That's ridiculous. I'd rather just take a guy for now who's maybe not as competent in the NHL level. But to me, Jake Gardner, that's a joke. $7 million. Come on. Which brings us back around to you have to do something with William Nylander to get the defensive assets that you need because you're like... I agree with everything you just said about Jake Gardner, but if he leaves, there's a hole on your blue line, on your already weak blue line. Like, if they, this team offensively is capable of winning the Stanley Cup. I think we can all agree that this team is has enough offensive firepower to go deep in the postseason. What's going to kill them is their play in the defensive zone and potentially goaltending, but their play in the defensive zone. If you lose Jake Gardner, you're already making that core weaker, which is makes it even more confusing with what you're going to do with William Nylander. And it's just a mess. I don't envy Kyle Dubas. I'll tell you that. I don't envy him at all. No, the Kyle Dubas, Lawrence Gilman, Brandon Pridham, all the guys up there have a serious job to do. And But I'm sorry, Jake Gardner, I'm not signing a guy at a necessity. I, if I'm a general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm up there being like, yes, if he leaves, we're weaker. But... 
it's not worth it in the long run. I'm sorry. It is not worth it. A seven-year deal. What, what do you think that seven-year deal is going to be for three years? No, it's going to be five plus. Like, I don't want this. No, like, just no. See you later. Thanks for being a leaf. Bye. I was going to save this topic of discussion for later, but since we're on the whole contract topic, Austin Matthews has started the season red hot. He didn't get any goals tonight in the LA game, but he did set up Kasperi Kapanen for that beautiful goal, second goal that he got. Yeah, he got he got two assists, another multi-point game. He's gotten multiple points in every single game this season. All right, everyone. We just want to thank you for listening to the Talking Buds podcast. I just want to remind everyone to go follow us on Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast. Also on Twitter at Talking Buds Podcast. And if you were listening on iTunes, make sure you hit that little subscribe button and be a bud. Leave a five-star review and a comment. We just want to thank all of you for checking us out. And we cannot wait to bring you all things Toronto Maple Leafs for the rest of the 2018-2019 season. Now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. In what has to be one of the most surprising and interesting developments so far of the season. Saturday night, during the headlines, Elliot Friedman reports that Matthews and his representatives may not necessarily be looking for the eight-year max term deal. They may be looking at more of something like a five-year deal. As a Leaf fan, Ryan, I don't know how to take that. Because on the one hand, I think he's learned from John Tavares. I think part of that is that, you know what, I'll sign here for five years. After that, I'll still be in my prime. I can either re-sign with the Maple Leafs or go somewhere else and make even more money. I don't know. I don't know. I was flabbergasted when I heard that. Like, dude, is, is this a positive for you? Or is this like, I don't know. I don't know what to think. This is the most Toronto Maple Leaf thing ever. It's like, of course, everything's going well. Then we got the franchise. And then something like this comes out and you're just like, you don't know which angle to look at it because you're we're just fans. Like we're just watching this, we're we're taking in this content and then you hear him say that and you're like, "Hey, what's their angle here?" And the only thing I can think of is in that Sharp magazine interview he did. He he goes on about how the NHL doesn't promote their players. Now, the NHL is different than all the other leagues, which we can both agree the NHL sucks. The NHL is the NHL sucks. Yeah, in terms of in term if you're looking at the big 4 and promoting stars and revolving it around your players and interesting personalities, the NHL is in dead last and it's not even close. Oh yeah, it's not even close. But here's what I think of. I think of okay, he seems to like the basketball players. He said Russell Westbrook. Personally, I think he's on the bandwagon for a couple of years ago for the MVP. He probably didn't like Russell Westbrook 5 years ago. But <laughs> LeBron James is the the guy who created this in professional sports. LeBron James is probably the best, most popular professional athlete in North America because he's in the NBA, because he's LeBron Top three James, in the because world. he's been... Top three in the world. Yeah. And he's been hyped since he was a teenager, and he's he's the man. 
and he's in the GOAT conversation in a sport because the NBA actually can have that, still have that conversation, unlike the NHL, where it's like, oh, here's all the record books. We're never catching anything. But LeBron James never signs more than a, like he signed, I think he signed a four year deal with the Lakers. Other than that, the guy signs two year, one year deals. Like this guy doesn't get locked up for anything. He's like, all right, I'm the best player. I know I'm the best player. Why would I sign an eight year deal? I want to control my own destiny. And that's what I think of when I think of this. It's like, okay, I could sign an eight-year deal, but what about what if I sign a five-year deal at McDavid money or around McDavid money, maybe more? And He's gambling. He's going to gamble on himself. And and that comes up and, okay, uh, what am I going to get? He'll be 26, 27 years old, kind of in the same position Tavares was. Learning from John Tavares. That's what I said earlier. And he'll have the whole league after him. And I know people keep tying him to Arizona. He's going to go back home, but... I'm sorry, going home to the Leafs is way different than going home to the Coyotes. You're you're going to, to you're basically moving halfway across the world if you're going to the Arizona to play hockey there. Like coming back to Toronto is different because this is this is the center of hockey. They the cup is a big deal. You want to be a part of that team that finally does it. But to me, it's just this is a guy who's him and his agent. I don't know if it's him or I don't know if it's agent. I don't know if, who's involved, but they're very I could tell they're very aware of where he's at and where he's going to be at. And he's not following the norm of all NHL players who just decide to be locked up for eight years at whatever money, because they're too afraid to go somewhere else. And hockey's a very conformist sport. And I, I'm not surprised at all, actually, but it's just, how do you look at it? Is, is it maybe in five years, the Leafs won't be as good. I can dip. Or is it five years I'll make more money after that. It's just, it's confusing. You don't know which angle to look at it. I think there's a number of things here. First and foremost, I want to get it out of the way. I hate the argument of, well, he's just being greedy. He only wants to sign for five years and then re-sign to get more money. It's like, listen, yes, these guys, these prof- they get paid a ton of money to do what they do. But you know, when you're a professional athlete, your career could end at any moment. So go get your money. The windows in pro sports are so short. So go go get your money. I have no problem with that. I think, as I said, I think he learned from what John Tavares did in that if you become a unrestricted free agent in your prime, you can really cash in and you'll have essentially the entire league bidding for you. But also, I don't think we should overlook, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but I do think it is a thing that we don't talk about. Austin Matthews is an American-born player. I do think it is important. He has commented many times about how important USA hockey is to him. I'm not saying I'm not in any way insinuating that he is not loyal to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think he wants to be here. He wants to be a part of the team that eventually wins the cup here. But I do think playing in a U.S. market is something he will want to do before he retires. That's just my speculation based on things he said in the past about USA hockey. I And I do think that's part of the reason why. And you know what? For all we know, at the end of, if he signs a five-year deal at the end, he could end up re-upping with the Leafs for how many more years after that. But I do think it's important for him in the vein of the NBA and John Tavares to keep his options open. And yeah, just... I, that's what I think. That's really what all I think it is, is he, he doesn't want to be locked in long term and have no control over his future. And he's trying to change the way NHL 
contracts work because to your point this league is really traditional it's really like good old boys club there's no one bucking the trends there's no one making it new and interesting like in the nba or the nfl so yeah, that's what that's honestly what i think he's trying to do and i i tip my cap to him i really do yeah like he's an nhl hockey player he's he's basically an independent contractor put yourself in his shoes what are you gonna be at a table being like you know what um Johnny in uh, Keswick makes uh, about thirty-five grand a year, so that makes me feel bad. So I'm going to take three million less. Like, come on, the, the guy's trying to make as much money as possible. He's worth it, and I agree with you. He is the flag. He's going to be the flag bearer if if he's already not for USA Hockey. He's probably the best U.S. player right now. Even though there's a couple great ones out there, but he'll be he'll be one of, if not the best ever, American-born hockey player when all is said and done. Oh, 100 percent. And but I do think he does enjoy being in the spotlight in Toronto. I know the media. He was a little snippy with the media the other day when they asked him with the John Tavares comment, and he was like, "Why don't you go back and look at all the interviews you guys did with me?" And that'll answer your question, which I kind of enjoyed because it's finally a hockey player just being a real human and not just being like, you know what? Uh, great game tonight. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we, uh, went out there, we, uh, four checked hard and I had a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to it. Oh God. Just, just, just so they played a clip today on the radio of Freddie Anderson talking about Austin Matthews. And I love, Freddie I love Freddie, Freddie Anderson trips over his <laughs> words. Dude, I man. love Freddie, but you just, you're just listening to this guy talk and you're just like, like just no, <laughs> no char- charisma or flamboyant, no, no nothing. Yeah, I love Freddie to death, but that guy stumbles over his words <laughs> during an interview after the game, man. Before we get into bums and beauties, any anything you want to talk about from the last week? The Washington game, the Detroit game, they're scoring like gangbusters. Even in a game tonight where I don't think they played particularly well, they still get four. Any observations you want to lay on me before we get into bums and beauties? Okay, we'll start with the Detroit game. And in that game, I feel like so far the teams that are supposed to be horrible this year, like Ottawa, like Montreal, like Detroit, all teams in their division, um, I thought they haven't played too great, but I thought in that game their, their skill just took over and the power play was red hot and Matthews looked great and so far the Washington game is the best game of the year so far because that game just had playoff speed you took the words out of my mouth that that felt like a playoff game yeah like all the other games kind of just regular season we got to work things out but that game had speed Freddie played great in last week in my unqualified takes I said Freddie wasn't going to be too great but he shut me up in that game because, and I honestly, I didn't think he was that bad in Detroit either. Like, yeah, they, they kind of gave up some at the end, but they were mailing it in in their own zone in the third period. But in Washington, I, I that was the best game of the year. Every both teams skated so hard; it felt kind of personal. I don't know watching the game. Like, I know it's not it's not the old NHL. There's guys throwing punches or anything, but like the game just felt like. This is early in the season, but this is a measuring stick game for us. And I thought the fourth line skated unbelievably. The third line, every line skated great. And that game was just super entertaining. And then tonight was just one of those nights where kind of Monday, regular season, boring. But when you're as skilled as the Toronto Maple Leafs, you're going to pick up wins with 
the goal scoring you have as long as it's the guy in your net can oh, stop I got a puck. thing or two to say about the game tonight, but I'm going to save it for the bums and beauty segment. The Washington game, I mean, they they know what they know what's being said about them. They know that okay, you're beating teams, all these teams you're playing are non-playoff teams. Here's your first real test. Let's see what you're made of. And uh, that's what I felt coming from them was that sort of like okay, we're going to show you that we can play with this team. And then you got Lars Eller's comments after the game about how the Leafs aren't really that great. That was interesting. That was interesting. Yeah, I went back and forth on that one, actually, because at first I was like, okay, Lars Eller, Brad Marchand punched you in the face a couple weeks ago for celebrating on a goal, which I think Brad Marchand acting like, this shield of the NHL is an absolute joke. But you got to remember, Eller played in Montreal for a bit. So I'm sure Marshawn knows he's a, a little dink as well. And hearing that comment, you're like, oh, maybe maybe it's not so far-fetched to believe that you'd want to punch this guy in the face too. But at the same time, it's like, let's get over Like, who cares? Yeah, like, I'm not I like Kadri. I actually like Nazem Kadri's response today, just saying that it's bulletin board material. Like, that's, yes, just use that as inspiration and move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But you know what? Like, Lars Eller doesn't need to sit in his dressing room after a loss and kiss the ass of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, I don't blame him. Like, he, he mentioned Malkin and Crosby in that interview as well, and... And he's right. Like, he's played against the Washington Cavals. have played against those guys for a long time. Those two are the gold standard in terms of one and two centermen in the NHL. But, yeah, it was a bit of a dink comment. Very passive-aggressive with the whole, I think they're a playoff team. But I, if I'm Lars, I don't expect Lars Eller to be in the, in the dressing room after the game being like, man, those Maple Leafs, they're just fantastic. The time has officially come for bums. And beauties. Bums and beauties. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. All right, bums and beauties. I'm going. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna let you go first this week. I've got. A, I've got a bit of a rant I want to go on with mine. So, who, Ryan, is your beauty of the week? My beauty of the week is Par Lindholm. Par Lindholm. Par Lindholm, buddy. You know what? I'm one of these uh, Maple Leaf fans right now. We could. I just don't think it's fun being like, oh, Matthews, he's the beauty of the week. No, see, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to do that too. It's those are the easy answers. Yeah, I'm sitting. I, I I haven't had mine picked until tonight. I was sitting. I was thinking about it. I'm like, they're six and one. And you could talk about so many different things that are off the ice and but on the ice, you know, they're regardless of how it looks, six and one is just about as good of a start as you could get. So I'm going with Parland home this week because here's a guy. First of all, the Maple Leafs are the best team in the National Hockey League at recruiting European players, in my opinion. None of them come over and are all-star top six guys, but they brought over like Borgman last year. They brought over Zaitsev two years ago. They brought over Rosen. They brought over all those Oshiganoff this year. But Parlindholm, I like him. He moved his way up to the third line because he just makes good decisions out there. And there's something to be said about a bottom six forward just doing his job and making good decisions. He's When he has to step in for a face-off, he, he does pretty well. He plays the penalty kill. And there's just something to be said about a bottom six forward who makes 
good decisions. It doesn't cost your team in your own end. We've seen guys in the past. They've they've had a a, a bunch of fourth liners and third liners kind of go through the team the last however many years. So I enjoy watching a new guy come in here who's never played in the NHL before who can have some success. So Parland home, you're my beauty. Along those lines. Actually, before I say mine, I want to give an honorable mention to my beauty last week, who I still think is a beauty this week, Kasperi Kapanen. I talked about him earlier. I think he's terrific. I love what he's doing with Matthews. I love the pressure he's putting on William Nylander. It's fantastic. And the thing about Kasperi Kapanen, it's a lesson to everyone out there who, when you get an opportunity, opportunity, you can seize it and you can seize the moment. Exactly. Garrett Sparks is having one of those right now. If Freddie's out for another game, this is his chance. Damn right. My beauty of the week. Igor Ozhiganov. Igor Ozhiganov. Here's a guy who at the beginning through the preseason and then the first few games, the Ottawa game in particular, looked absolutely lost. He's competing for the sixth defenseman spot with everybody's favorite, Marty Marinson. And you know what? Saturday night in Washington, and then again tonight, I thought he looked calmer. I thought he looked... He seems to be figuring out the pace of the game. You've heard Babcock talk about how it is an adjustment coming over from uh, the other other side of the pond and playing in the smaller rink. So... I my beauty of the week is Igor Ozhiganov. I just like his composure. I've seen over the last couple of games. He's showing me why they just thought it was a good idea to go over there and sign him. So it's encouraging, and it, it, I just like that he's not in the same sentence as Marty Marinson anymore because we all we all know where Marty belongs on the depth chart. Absolutely, and shout out to the most diehard Lee fan I know, Alan Rennie. He calls Marty Marincin Bambi, and every time he calls him that, I just die laughing because he's out. He's so he's brutal out there, man. He's so bad, but you know what? Babs put him up in the press box, and I don't think that was so much uh, demotion a because punishment. I, yeah, just to just to see the game from up there is it, always a good thing. Exactly, and for me, the minute he got into training camp, he was on the team. I feel like there was never they wouldn't have gotten rid of Connor Carrick even though that was kind of the end of training camp. But to me, he was always penciled in to be in there with Dermot. And I just feel like I said a couple weeks ago that he looks like he's a step or half a step behind. And he he looks better out there. I like his size. He's not really too physical, but he's just one of those guys who they say they don't, there's not many stay at home guys in the NHL anymore. They're looking for more offensive defensemen, but he's kind of a classic stay at home guy. And he's, yeah, he's wearing the O dog Jeff O'Neill's number and Odoganoff. Odoganoff, yep. We're uh that and uh you know what? Good for the guy. He's good. He's only gonna get better. And you look at what Borgman gave them last year and Carrick and yeah, Polak was whatever. I, I like his size and he's got the that sort of stay at home style of play. And yeah. Igor Zaganoff, good on you, buddy. It's time to turn the tide. Who is your bum? of the week my bum of the week is tyler ennis and usually you kind of feel bad for- oh kicking him you're kicking him while he's down i know Ryan. but you know what mike babcock doesn't reward a lot of opportunities but 
he tends to favor guys who are a little bit older, and Ennis has been in the league before, and he's a veteran guy, good pro. But um, when you start off the season on Austin Matthews' wing, and you're in the preseason on Austin Matthews' wing, you were handed an opportunity to have a big year and to kind of put yourself back on the map. And all this guy did was absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. He's small. He's yeah. slow. Yeah. He can't make plays anymore. He started on the first line, moved down to the fourth line. And Babcock didn't really like Andreas Janssen's play too much. And I had a feeling that Janssen was going to stay there for a while. But it's just Ennis has been was Ennis was so invisible in those first couple games, and I just well he can't he can't keep up like even Marlow who's way older he can't keep up with him no and, and it's it's just the opportunity he was given and just to slip that far so quickly I don't really see the guy getting back he, it's the opposite of what Kapanen's done with the opportunity yeah exactly and that's just the younger player faster player more skilled player but Ennis just. The opportunity you were given, man, to blow it and to play that bad, even though I could see Babcock maybe throwing him back in there, I feel like he's now the guy who's going to be kind of up there in the press box watching all the games and probably in there for most of the season until, especially with Levo, Nylander's not back, so Levo's in that spot. He wants, he's giving Levo a chance, but Ennis is, Ennis, he was brutal and he, he blew his shot, so... Tyler Ennis, I know you're down, and I probably feel bad for you in some sort of way, but you're a bum, dude. I am going off the board with mine, and I know you're going to want to get in on this. My bum of the week is no one on the current roster. Scotiabank Arena is my bum of the week. That building sucks. You watch, you go to the games, it's dead quiet in there, it feels like a boardroom in there, you watch the games on TV, you can hear a pin drop in there, the team goes out there tonight, they beat a good team, 4-1, it's dead quiet in there, there's no, they get up and cheer at the end of the game, because that's what you do before you get out of your seat and leave, I just, that has to be, it, it blows my mind, it blows my mind that you can have the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Yankees of the NHL, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And do you think Jerry World sounds like that when the Cowboys are playing at home? You think Yankee Stadium sounds like that when the Yankees are playing at home? No, it's a horrible environment. It's a horrible atmosphere. I, I just, I think it's, I think it sucks. You see them playing on the road in some of these buildings, even in, even in like Dallas, for God's sakes, you can hear the how into it the fans are. And it's not, I'm not necessarily blaming the fans. I think just the whole experience and is just a very corporate one. And that's what makes it the way it is. But man, it's just like you, it's awful in there. It's awful in there. I can't stand it. I was, we were texting back and forth during the game and I I love the blue uniforms. We love the blue uniforms. And that's the best part about them being at home. But I, I, I say Scotiabank Arena slash ACC, but it's just a culture that this arena has built that it's just 
it's the worst. I hate watching games in it for some reason. I know people, I, I sometimes I bring this point up and people are like, oh, what do you mean? It's such a great arena. But even watching it on TV, like it's just, I can't stand it. I like watching them on the road. And you're right. The, 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 the facility itself is nice, sure. But it's just like the, the, the whole environment. And I know that like since Shanny's come on, they've tried to like make it a little more upbeat in there. But you just, it, it's just stale in there. It sucks. It does suck. And you're right. I don't want to blame the fans. Like, it's just like not the fans, but Bob, the laborer, can't afford a ticket to a Leaf game unless someone gives it to him, you know? So you have a bunch of guys who are just a part of these season's tickets groups or whatever, and they go there. And I, I, I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't want to be a hypocrite here. I don't go to a Leaf game. I'm not standing up being like, let's go, boys. Woo! Like, you know, like it's, I'm not like that either. And that I am almost mad at myself for not doing that, but it's just, that's the culture the arena's built, but it's not even being in there. It's just watching a game there. I don't know. It's just, I, I can't stand it. It's, it's like a cursed arena. They've never had any success there. Like, and you hear all these great stories about the gardens back in the day. And it's like, I wish I could see a game in the gardens. I was a little too young. I was, by the time they switched over to the Air Canada Center, I was like, whatever years old not that old so I, I didn't get to experience that and people always talk about it with such fond memories and this arena is just it's such a buzz a, kill it's a buzz oh kill. it just it's sucks buzz kill Scotiabank Arena you are my bum of the week all right so let's take a look at the upcoming schedule here they got the Penguins at home on Thursday so you're hoping Freddie Anderson's back for that, but if not, I thought I thought Sparks was fine tonight. We talked about him earlier. I think I think I think he can handle that one. Yeah, the Pens is that's going to be a tough one, but we have unqualified taste coming up very shortly. And if you flash back to your unqualified take, which is isn't so unqualified after all, you said they I would win. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to say. Oh, I know. I'll break it up. I'll, I'll give it to you. You. you I didn't want to break. You said four out of the six, and so far they're three for six, and they still got three more to go. So you know what? I'll. I'll. I'm not so unqualified after all. Maybe. Maybe you're smarter than you look, buddy. I don't like talking numbers, though. I'm not a numbers guy. Corsi Fenwick, you know what, Jake Garner, he might give the puck away 700 times a game, but you know what, his Corsi looks great. What was it What was it that you said last week that their new favorite term is on the power play? Oh, the bumper guy. <laughs> the bumper, what is the, what is the bumper guy? Is the bumper guy, like, I, I Nazem Kadri, and Nazem, I didn't bring him up yet, and I feel bad for him, he, he's hit a couple crossbars, a couple posts, Oh man, couple and he had, he had one. He had a couple shots right in the slot tonight. Just can't can't buy a goal right now. Nazem Kadri is gonna is a part of my unqualified take as a tease, but I kind of feel bad for him. But how much is it eating at him right now that they are the most high powered offense in the league and he does not have a single goal? I think it is eating at him. And but oh, it's totally eating at him. But you know what? It's it's if you want to be a part of a great team, you have to realize where you're slotted on this team. You know, I'm just I'm kind of ruining my unqualified take right now, so I'm going to I'm going to save it. But Nazem Kadri on the power play, like he's kind of just st- like he's on the power play. But he's kind of just standing in the middle of the ice. He hasn't really I haven't really seen him get a good chance on the power play once this whole year and they're 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 clicking at like 40% right now. So well, okay, let's finish this this look. So we got the Pens on Thursday, we got the Blues on Saturday, 
and then and then they got like three days off. They don't play again until the following Wednesday against the Winnipeg Jets when they do the home and home. So they got a, a little bit of a break coming up. But next the the next two games against Pittsburgh and St. Louis are both at home in our favorite place, Scotiabank yeah. Arena. So I think I think they can win. Based on the way they've played, they can win both of those games. The thing you got to remember with the Penguins, too, is Matt Murray's done again. How many injuries has this guy had over the past couple of years? Like, I know he won a couple cups, but this guy cannot stay healthy. So it's going to be a battle of the the backups if Freddie's not back. And St. Louis isn't very good. St. Louis is awful goaltending, too. Jake Allen can't stop anything. He sucks. They can't, they're not very good anymore. So you're right. Winnipeg's going to be a tough. I, I, I'm pumped. I, I'm, I'm really, yeah, same, same. That. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, we're going to be right there watching Pittsburgh and St. Louis, and I'm in no way saying that we're just going to skip over these two games and they're gimmies. They absolutely are not. But I am stoked for the home-and-home next week against the Winnipeg Jets. Those are the two. Right now, that's the heavyweight of the East going against the heavyweight of the West. Yeah, and it's the two Canadian heavyweights, too. It's kind of nice seeing two Canadian teams. Even though I'm not a huge guy who's like, like when the playoffs are on, it's like, oh well, the Leafs got eliminated, but Calgary and Edmonton are still in the playoffs. It's like, who? I don't care. Like, I'm not. I'm not one of these guys who's like, I love Canada. I'm gonna cheer for Canadian teams. But it's kind of nice to see Winnipeg's definitely the least hateable Canadian team for me. Maybe because they were out of the league for so long, and I don't really hate anyone on their team either. And Paul Maurice's a good guy, but I'm super stoked for that home and home. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. All right, you teased it earlier. Mr. Announcer Man, what time is it? It's time for Talking Buds. Totally unqualified takes. Absolutely, yes, it is. Time for Totally Unqualified Takes. Ryan, you teased yours earlier. Why don't you go first? Yeah, I uh, I guess I kind of ruined it, but my Totally Unqualified Take for all the people out there, it kind of ties into William Nylander too, is what got my thought press process going, is people keep talking about how Nazem Kadri hasn't had a goal yet. So my Unqualified Take is... Suck it up, Nazem Kadri, because you're on the third line now, buddy, and you make a certain amount of money in this salary cap that dictates that you should be on that third line, and you're paid like a third liner when it comes to the salary cap of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, and you are letting Nazem Kadri, you are reading him his rights right now. And you know what? I don't know how Nazem feels about this. I'm sure a part of him's like, oh, I don't have a goal yet, but I don't think Nazem Kadri has anything to prove to anyone. We, no, but if he's on a cup contending team, he's the third center. Like Winnipeg, Tampa, Pittsburgh. I'm with you on that. And uh, Nazem's a great player. He, he plays with edge. But like, I don't think Nazem Kadri like needs to prove anything to anyone. I think every general manager in the National Hockey League can all agree on what Nazem Kadri is. He's a great hockey player who could put the puck in the net. Who's a little bit of a a you know what disturber and he's can and he's like plays with a little bit of edge and he's he's a good centerman he can play on a second line center on a very good team in the national hockey league but on the toronto maple leafs you're on the third line and i'm not signing william nylander to a whatever contract just so nazim kadri can have a winger 
to play with on the third line. And it would be nice to have Nazem on have a it would be nice for Nazem to have a third line winger who could set him up. But my unqualified take is that Babcock might say he's wants to include Nazem, but Nazem's gonna be lonely on that third line all year long and he's not gonna get that winger. I don't care who you move down. Kapanen's not moving down. Yeah, I know. And even if he put Marlowe down even, there. But you know what? I actually think Nylander might act might be a better fit down there. And I know all the Nylander people are like, he's not a third liner. Like screaming at me right now listening to this. But like Kadri's got the edge that Nylander needs. A skilled guy, if there's one thing Babs has taught me with with his constant bashing us over the head with Zach Hyman, a skilled player. And he talked about this with Datsuk because he just loves to talk about Datsuk and Zetterberg. A skilled player needs a guy who can go in the corners and get the puck back for them. Naz isn't quite the level of like a Hyman, but he he does play with an edge that someone who plays with Nylander needs to have because he doesn't have that. Agreed. And I I know I was long-winded there, but my unqualified take is even though we all love Nazem Kadri and it's important to make him feel important on this hockey team, he's not getting that winger on his line. It's not the priority. He's on the third line for a reason. So stop asking for help for him. He's on the third line. And that's a good thing because that means we are absolutely stacked at the center position. So no help is coming. So my unqualified take is Nazem's not getting any help for the rest of the year. He's going to be on that third line. He's got to fight for his offense and get what he can on the power play. My totally unqualified take. And I'm good. I'm going to go out on a limb because I feel like in the first two, I've kind of played it safe. I did the Marner contract one, and then last week I did them picking up wins, even though that, that wasn't that safe. But they're a good enough team. They can they, The way they're playing, they can beat anybody right now. You look smart with that unqualified take, buddy. I don't think that was safe at all. Like saying they'd rattle off those wins. Man, that yeah, I, I said Freddie wasn't going to play that well, and they're already three for six, so you're looking pretty good. By the time we get to the postseason. Igor Ozhiganov will not be the sixth defenseman. He will be the fifth, chipping away at becoming the fourth defenseman. Whoa, hot take city, buddy. That is going out on a limb. He's got... I'm, I'm probably going to be wrong. But he has got the qualities of a guy that Babs absolutely loves. He's Polakish, Polakian. He, Babcock sang his praises all training camp and preseason. I'm not saying he's going to be cracked the top four, start playing with Riley, start playing. We all know Babcock's not demoting Ron Hainsey. That's not happening. But do a, basically what I'm saying is, I see Oshiganov getting a bump in ice time and a bump in situations if he keeps playing the way he's playing. Yeah, like it's like he's not the guy who's like, are they taking him out of the lineup tonight? It's like, no, this is yeah. The- he'll he'll get out of the the race to the press box with Marty Marinson. Yeah, is like, what I'm trying like, to say. It's like no, this is the top six, and Travis Dermott is a very good hockey player who's very skilled and has top four, maybe even top two qualities. But I feel like the way Travis Dermott plays and the way Oshiganoff plays, it takes a little longer for the skills that Travis Dermott has to develop, those offensive skills that 
knowing when the right time is to jump in the rush or or make the right pinch. You look at Morgan Riley. He's he's what is he 25, 24, 25 now and he's just he's just starting to learn that starting to master that right now. But Oshiganov, I could see that somewhat happening because it's like this guy's not running any power play anytime soon. Like this guy I'm I'm also basing that take off the coach. I know what the coach wants, and I know what he's looking for based on his incessant shoving Roman Polak over the bench last season. And this guy, like I said, he's Polakian. He's big. He stay at home. He's he is not the best skater, but he's because of his size, he can clear guys out from in front of the net, just like Polak used to do. And I don't. Uh, again, I'm not saying that he's going to surpass anybody or he's going to like all of a sudden become a top four world beater defenseman. I am saying if he keeps playing the way he's playing, he will get out of this 1A, 1B, or 6A, 6B with Marty Marinson and become a stable figure in the Leaf defense moving forward. Well, that is, compared to your last two, this one is your... I wanted to be a little risky this week. I played it safe. Like, yeah, sure, I picked the wins last week, but I, I wanted to be a little more risky this week. Well, this is unqualified takes, man, which unqualified takes basically means a steaming hot take. Maybe steaming, maybe not, but a hot take nonetheless, or nonetheless. And I think that's a good one, dude. Why not? Ryan, we're finally up on iTunes. It, t- it, took, uh, it took a couple weeks, but we are there. I want to thank everybody who's gone out of the way to listen to us. We are everywhere: iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. Our Instagram is at Talking Buds Podcast. Our Twitter is at Talking Buds Pod. We're gonna keep coming at you once a week here. Thank you for checking us out. Thank you for continuing to support. We've got lots of great feedback, and it's it's really awesome. I didn't I didn't anticipate how nice people would be about this. And so I want to end this week again, just thanking everybody. Yeah. Thank everyone. And I loved everyone who listened and were texting me during the week being like, Oh, see Levo scored. He's not a bum. Like keep doing that. I want to, I want to have that engagement. I want to have that back that, uh, that communication with people who listen, who, who call, who think we're stupid or think we're smart. That's what it's all about. Just two guys talking Toronto Maple Leafs talk that everyone can understand not all this talk that no one can understand about all these ridiculous stats but just up on itunes finally happened go subscribe give us a five-star review if you're really nice maybe leave a comment thank you everyone for listening because we've got a couple of days they between the games they play saturday then they don't play again until wednesday i say next week's show we'll do some sort of fun early season grades or whatever And we'll put that out early next week. Oh, yeah. Always thinking of new things. Talking Buds podcast all season long. It's only, I can't believe it's only week three. We got so many more weeks to go, man. I know. Ryan, we'll see you next week, buddy. See you later, my dude. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. 
follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests blue hotel hotline and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.